0: This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. One of my primary school teacher who stayed friend with me even today, she had a huge impact on my choices, but not on a major, but uh, on getting out of my comfort zone, choosing something that's unfamiliar to myself. And I remember the things she said to me. Follow my passion. I don't let anyone tell you you cannot do this or do that. Just do it. I was very calm before Hurricane Katrina. But uh, after that few months, you can see that started to weigh on you. And uh, I got too nervous. It just changes the way you react to people.
1: You impressed me as still very calm.
0: Yeah, now I return to normal. Ah, That took many years. Okay. Mm.
1: So you become a very calm girl, right? And Mm. after this Katrina thing, refugee thing, and then anxiety thing, Mm. you know, and then you become nervous type a little bit. And now you come back.
0: Now I come back, yes. I think along this way, I've known many friends. And for me, to get so much help for so many different people, it turned me more liberal. And I try to help people later on. So whenever I could, I didn't realize that I actually had a political view. But uh, after all those accidents and everything, I I understand that uh, there are certain things, certain social changes I want to see. And I want to be a positive addition to that.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Man Ling. Our guest today is Wang Tan, an analyst at the Economist Intelligence Unit, a British think tank with The Economist magazine, If you regularly listen to our program, you will already be familiar with Dan, who is a commentator for China Plus and other international media, sharing her perspectives on economic and policy developments in China, as well as global outlook. Dan holds a PhD in economics from the University of Washington. She's been working in this field for more than six years. And before joining the EIU, Dan was a postdoctoral fellow with the China Academy of Sciences. When asked why she chose economics as her major, Dan says she simply chose it before her college entrance exam because she was good at math. And since then, she has developed a fine enthusiasm for the so-called dismal science. Dan, welcome to the studio. Um, Thank you, Meling. Uh, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
0: So, I'm Dan. I'm from the Economist Intelligence Unit, uh, currently based in Beijing as their China analyst. I did my Ph.D. in economics, and now what I'm doing is to do research on China, Chinese cities, China macroeconomics. And for me, I really enjoy looking at different type of information, market intelligence, and come up with the interesting conclusions and stories. And currently, I live with my boyfriend and two dogs, and uh, I sometimes dance. You dance? Yeah, hip-hop.
1: Really? I'm Mm. going to dig into that later. (laughs) Okay, but, you know, focusing on your career, right? For a long time, we have heard of the um, experts or people Mm. who actually labeled economics as a dismal sort of science. Do you agree with it? Or you can tell me how interesting economics are. So I have great sympathy for anyone
0: who study economics, because anyone, including male, including male, female, (laughs) it's such a dismal science or social science that if you have economists in a party, it's absolutely disaster. And I'm only a little bit joking there, because studying economics is very different, actually, from a lot of people thought. There's a lot of math, a lot of coding. So towards the end of my PhD, I think I'm a better coder than a lot of my engineer friends.
1: Since it's a dismal science, and when did it start for you, you know, to get interested in this field?
0: When I first uh, got admitted into Beihang, that's the first time I left home. I'm from Taiyuan. And mm. after I came to my university, I got opportunity to help translate a few chapters of economics book. That's written by Samuelson. Yeah. I hated that book so much. That's like I one couldn't th- finish that book. Oh my god. That book is all about math. It looks elegant, but years later I still hate it, even today. I think that dominated the thinking of economics. But then by chance I saw this book written by Gregory Mankiw. And that's when I started to get hooked into economics. Mankiw has this way to explain monetary policy, fiscal policy in a very humane way. Uh-huh. He explains social distribution. He explains justice from economic incentive. I just love his textbook.
1: Okay. And
0: then I had opportunity actually to, as an exchange student in Harvard, I took his class Act 10. Uh, that's his microeconomics class. Uh-huh. And I could never imagine that. He's
1: very funny uh, in person. I know. So he injected some fun into a very dismal sort of science right exactly um just now you talked about that very book right hooked you but i actually wanted to know you know when you were choosing the major who made the decision for you you yourself as a high school student who prepared for the gaokao we talk about gaokao mm. and then you need to decide which direction you know which field you're going to go into right and you think um your parents have decided that for you or
0: No, they didn't decide. They couldn't grasp. It's too
1: complicated. I know. So I pick randomly, basically. So you haven't really formed your passion and purpose yet, right? No. Randomly, but it has to have some logic. Right. So why? Why do you pick up
0: economics? So I'm pretty sure I want to get into a discipline that uh, involves a lot of reading. And also telling a good story. It's either literature, economics, trade. And it looks like international trade has some interesting elements there. So I just picked that one.
1: Why not to literature? literature. More stories and more good readings and more fun.
0: Unfortunately, I was too good at math. I thought I should use (laughs) my math
1: (laughs) a little bit. So you're being quite practical when you were choosing the major, right? Yeah. You want to use your specialty.
0: uh, I'm a realist. You're
1: you're realistic. Um, Mm. Do you think your choice is a correct one? Yes, I have to say it's correct one. Okay. Do you think your teacher actually influenced you in Choosing what major to go into,
0: uh, my high school no, but one of my primary school teacher who stayed friend with me even today, uh, she had a huge impact on my choices, um but not on a major, but uh, on getting out of my comfort zone, choosing something that's unfamiliar to myself.
1: That's your mentor. Uh, my I, mentor. yeah, a female teacher or male teacher. A female teacher. and you still has a very good relationship.
0: Yeah, I visit her every year whenever I visit
1: home. Visit her every year? Yes. How old is she now? She's 84. 84 year old? Yes. What's her surname? Mrs. Yang. It's just amazing you can keep the contact. I mean, you're still in touch with a primary teacher. How do you manage, I mean, for all these years? I think for people growing up, uh, there's usually... Uh, One or two
0: people have major influence on that person, and uh, Mrs. Yang is one of them. She had faith in me in primary school. I was a good student, but I don't know what she saw in me. She's always encouraging me to take harder questions, do harder problems, and uh, she invited me to her home and uh, introduced me to her son. Back then, her son was one of the few people who studied abroad. So that was an eye-opener for me. And I always remember seeing all those interesting things um, that her son brought back from abroad. And I remember the things she said to me. Follow my passion.
1: Don't let anyone tell you you cannot do this or do that. Just do it. Can I understand this way, that uh, when she came into your life, there was a void. Where were your parents? My parents, they're busy
0: at work. So... Not much influence actually from my parents.
1: So, actually, she came in, right? Because mm. you need this guide, and she was there. She was it's there. It's the best thing that can happen to a little girl, right? Yes. And then can I draw further conclusion then? Because I wanted to ask why after graduating from the Beijing University of Aeronautics and Astronautics and you decided immediately afterwards, right, mm. without really working, huh? No. you decided to go abroad. Is that also the inference from this teacher? Because just now you said her son mm. was studying overseas.
0: Now I think about it, there must be some influence. But back then, when I made the decision, it was so natural because I was good at English. And the U.S., in my mind, is still the best place to study. All the professors I knew are from the U.S. And uh, I understand if I see anyone that holds a U.S. Ph.D., I know that's something serious.
1: All right. So your first application is to go to Tulane. Tulane. Tulane in New Orleans, right?
0: In New Orleans.
1: And uh, how did it come to your list of choices there?
0: I was being practical. So I knew that Ivy League, I stand no chance. I'm not from Beijing University or Tsinghua University. So no question, I can't get into those top tier. So I picked one that's in the middle range. And Tulane is one of them. I liked New Orleans. It's uh, the origin of jazz. Uh, I love that. So Mm -hmm.
1: that's why I applied. And then what happened? That was a PhD program, huh? That was a PhD program in economics. And why it was aborted later.
0: So that was a long story. In 2005, I went to New Orleans in July. But one month after we did this math camp, then Hurricane Katrina hit. Yeah. So that was very chaotic. I remember that was a Labor Day weekend. And I have never encountered a natural disaster in my life. And all of a sudden, the school told us, everybody has to be evacuated. It doesn't matter where you are, you just have to go. because and go where? There was no clear plan. You just have to get on the school bus and go with whoever take you to wherever you end up with. Really? Yes. And that's why I thought that was a very confusing start of my foreign study, because that's one month after I landed on only the one US. Only yes. Only one month. Mm-hmm. And then I was first taken to Jackson School and That's a university very close to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was taken to Atlanta, Houston, Kansas, from one place to another. And we stayed in stadium of schools. So we basically just sleep on the floor. I didn't even have a credit card yet. So all I had was $300 with me. And by the end of the
1: second week, it was all gone. So I lived no, they, on... They move you to a certain place and you stay in a stadium, right? Right. And you were not given food and a shelter was already, it's the stadium. Uh, we were but given food. And then you don't need to spend money, right?
0: I did need to buy some clothing and <sighs> I needed to pay for a few things along the way. I forgot what. But the thing is, I left all my stuff in New Orleans We didn't have enough. All your
1: luggage, everything was left behind.
0: My computer, even. So I only got my my passport, and I was like, "Why is this evacuation so in such a hurry?" But eventually, I realized it was really emergency. Saved your life. It's in my life. Yes. But all my stuff were just gone. Uh, I got two thousand dollar FEMA money. That's for refugees. So I was officially labeled a refugee. As a
1: refugee. Mm -hmm right, right. <laughs> really um mm. that time because only one sort of month after you arrive and you've been going through such a thing do you mm. feel panic I didn't feel panicked I was just
0: extremely confused you were um, confused I was confused since uh, all my friends classmates we were separated because we went separate ways yeah. the buses we took it just depending on availability, we got on whenever it's available. Uh-huh. So eventually I was left alone. So I went to all those different stadiums, not knowing anyone and not studying. And you didn't panic? I didn't panic because I was trying to figure out a way to reapply <laughs> to school. So have you
1: ever experienced other disasters in your life?
0: No, that was the only one. And that's the only time that I knew that disaster can happen for uh-huh. to a
1: city. Does this experience influence you in any way in your later life, in your career? What sort of impact does it have on you? It changed my life completely. In what way? How?
0: Um, Why? For one thing, because of Hurricane Katrina, my program in Tulane University was canceled. Then I started to reapply to other programs. I'm not going home without a PhD, so I have to reapply. You didn't come back? I didn't. Some of my friends did.
1: Back why to China. didn't you come back? That's not you can you can come back and then apply you know at home in China right I could but
0: uh, that's not me that's not something I would do I, I have to get it done. Because there might be opportunities at the time I cannot let it slip. I wanted to make it to
1: the October school start So where did you stay? Because you have no home and, uh, you know, your rented house is gone? I got into Harvard as a visiting student, actually. And then the money? School
0: uh, wavered tuition for me. Completely. Completely. And because I was a refugee,
1: they found accommodation for me for free. Okay, this refugee status helped you, right, to get an accommodation?
0: Definitely. If accommodation. you're not a refugee,
1: they would maybe charge you, right? Oh,
0: they would, yes. Okay,
1: and is tuition-free is also because you're a refugee.
0: Tuition-free, a uh, part of it is, but uh, it's also there's a line for your English score. So uh-huh. you have to pass certain English score yeah, yeah. to get that. Yeah, yeah, your English wasn't a problem, right? Yeah, that wasn't to. a problem. Okay.
1: That's how the U.S. government is helping the dislocated students, right. the so-called refugee like you, right? right? They helped you to get a studying sort of position in Harvard. Yes, they would and, allow and then, And just now you said, as a mm-hmm. witness, as someone who went through, you know, mm-hmm. and unexpectedly, so unexpectedly, a disaster in your life. And you have completely changed. Yes. What sort of lesson you learned? Changed from what? What is before and what is after? That change was very drastic because before I was just
0: a normal Chinese student, without the hurricane, I would have followed the natural path of studying very hard, getting my PhD, and then that's it. In Tulane. In Tulane University, and then get a faculty position. But uh, with the hurricane, it got me the opportunity to study in Harvard. It's only one year, no
1: degree. But so then. C- can you call it a blessing in disguise? Academically, yes. Mentally, no. <laughs> What have changed in you mentally, I mean?
0: Mentally, there's a pretty strong PTSD reaction. I try to deny it, but uh, it is very severe at the time. Uh, since I had to move so frequently, that kind of insecurity in me, it consumed me. So once I got accepted in Harvard, I knew that I will have some school, and it's a very good school. Mm-hmm. So... I thought I could rest for a bit, but then the cultural shock kicked in, and uh, I knew that I would waste this one year without getting any degree. I have to apply again very soon. So that kind of anxiety and also the language barrier, my English wasn't that great. I could speak, but I couldn't understand people very well. Mm. Just uh,
1: not being able to listen to lectures, you know, that no. fluently, right?
0: No, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And Harvard, you know, it's a very different world. That's the real elite school. And I've seen students, they know everything. That's the time when I realized that becoming a real economist, how difficult it is. Because and how I, far you were. How far, exactly, You were from yes. that goal, right? Yes, I saw their Junior students in undergrad, they can talk about economic problems in such a way that I never heard of. And in class, professors kept asking, what's intuition? What's intuition? I could do the math. I have no intuition. I had no common sense. So whenever things like that happen, I got panicked. So what exactly am I pursuing here? To be an economist, who am I kidding? So So the professor asked you, what's the intuition? Intuition. And then? and then you have to tell economic story ah. uh, so th- unless and you it, understand you, you don't
1: ha- you don't have any intuition
0: i had no intuition absolutely no <laughs> i didn't know how to explain anything except when it's in a math equation i was the best in math at the time but whenever it comes to a economic story i sucked
1: you don't know how to explain and tell i
0: didn't because I, I knew nothing so people there can talk about say education coupon Uh, fiscal policy, government spending. I didn't know those. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. then
1: how did you pull yourself out of this so-called PTSD sort of um, condition?
0: At the time I was taken in, I was offering free accommodation by a faculty widower. That's a world-famous economist, William Alonso, his wife, took me in. So I lived with her. And she's constantly worried about me because after school, I went home and just stayed in my room, never get out. And she wanted me to get me out, but I just couldn't get myself out of
1: my room. And she lives on the same sort of, uh, on campus? Uh, she, lives she herself in, is also an
0: economist?
1: No, she was a nurse
0: before she retired. And oh. uh, she lived in Cambridge, very close to the Harvard campus. And she
1: took you in.
0: Yeah, she registered as a volunteer to taking refugee. And the first day they they registered, the second day she got a call. What's her name? Connie O'Connor. Ah, oh, mm. she
1: signed up for this so-called charity sort of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, she didn't think it would become so real so soon. <laughs> and then I showed up. She later told me that, "Oh my God, what am I gonna do? Is she gonna kill me?" <laughs> so. What do you mean?
1: mean?
0: (laughs) I looked like a homeless person because I didn't take shower for a whole week. My goodness. I had only one set of clothing. And when she saw me, she was taken aback by what I look like. And then was she very helpful to -hmm. get you out of this? She was extremely helpful. And that's the first time I actually knew American so well. She helped me to understand how anything works. There's a system in America. You need to go through a system get Social Security. That's like an ID card, very important. Uh, She helped me to buy new clothes. Uh, She drove me around, showed me how to order, how to write a check, how to open bank account. And I didn't know how to drive. Uh, She didn't teach me how to drive, but she drove me around, Mm -hmm. showed me movie theaters, malls, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I got to know American life.
1: But when was the moment, and what <clears throat> was the thing that finally, you know, turned the tip for a, up spiral sort of thing? You're going to the positive mood because you were down in a valley of, mm. you know, depressing self denial, feeling distressed with the distance you feel right from uh, mm. someone you want to be. And when was the turning point? I mean,
0: the real turning point came when I accidentally walk into a class. It's called positive psychology taught by Taj Shahar, it was such a special class. It didn't talk about really the theory, but on how people should live their life. And I didn't have any expectations, but um, by taking that class, Tao was talking about how people have this desire to pursue perfection and people are afraid of failure, but you have to learn how to fail. And he has this kind of way, he taught everything that I wanted to know as a student, uh, my confusion. So he always says things like, you have to ask yourself what you really, really want to do. He repeated so much, even now I can hear it in my head. I kept asking myself what I really, really want to do.
1: Because other incentives don't, don't matter. You said you accidentally walked into that class. Why right. accidentally?
0: Because I was taking Mankiw's class that's called Act 10 in Saunders Theater. And afterwards, I lingered around longer. And then this class began. So I basically just set in. It's pure accidental. And I just feel so lucky Or even...
1: (laughs) I am wondering why such good things were happening to you. I know, right? You (laughs) were lingering.
0: I was just lingering around. Just after
1: one of the classes, and you were lingering in the classroom. And another class
0: began, began
1: and you stayed. Right. And that's the fate, I suppose. And you didn't really pick the uh, course. No. Do you have to subscribe later? For
0: the uh, cause? I could, but I didn't. I just basically sat in. Mm. Yeah, just listening. And you is benefited enough.
1: so much. It almost saved you. Oh, it saved my life. So yes. he repeated one question. What do you really want? Yes, what do you really, really want? Okay. And can you answer him this question now? What do you really, really want in life? For the ultimate goal, I still cannot. But on uh, daily choices, I, I could. What is that? Can you share with me? Just... To follow my heart. To follow your heart.
0: Mm.
1: And this is a Harvard lesson, right? Right. Class, you walked in. Right. Harvard has so much to offer to its students.
0: Yeah, too much.
1: If you are ready to absorb you know, all sorts of knowledge, right? Right. You have to be in a good sort of shape when you can open all your sort of antenna and Mm. absorb new knowledge. And I feel so happy that that one single class helped you. Right. And Harvard for one year. Right. And then what did you do later?
0: And then I still want to do
1: a PhD (coughs) in economics, so I reapplied. Is it easy for you to apply for Washington uh, University? That's... Still as a refugee status student? Oh, no. No. That's a... Completely new sort of approach, right? Right,
0: right. It's just a new application. So I went through everything I did when I was in China. But the difference is that then I have reference letters written by Harvard professor. That's great. So that's a difference. Uh But I knew it wouldn't be enough for me to get into the top tier school still. University of Washington is great, but it's not top 20. So it's a top 40 school. Okay. And I was
1: perfectly happy with the result already. Mm. And you were a different person by then, right? Right. Different in what way?
0: First, academically, I've learned one year of economics for real, so I knew how to think sort of like economist.
1: You have uh, a little bit intuition now.
0: A little bit, yeah,
1: (laughs) only a little bit.
0: And then I knew uh, what American life is about, sort of, still. Mm -hmm. My English was better, uh, Mm -hmm. and that changes everything. Any changes in your personality? Yes, I was a lot jumpier than before. (laughs) What do you mean by jumpier? (laughs) Jumpier, I was very calm before Hurricane Katrina. But uh, after that few months, you can see that started to weigh on you. And uh, I got too nervous. And uh, it just changes the way you react to people.
1: You impressed me as still very calm.
0: Yeah, now I return to normal. Ah, that took many years okay
1: so you become a very calm girl right and Mm. after this Katrina thing refugee thing and then Mm. anxiety thing you know and then you become nervous type a little bit and now you come back
0: now I come back yes
1: congratulations Mm, thank you okay and then you are a different person after so many things Mm. but I want to know any changes In perspectives and in values, you know.
0: Values, absolutely. I
1: think along this
0: way, I've known many friends. And for me to get so much help for so many different people, it turned me more liberal. And I try to help people later on. So whenever I could, I didn't realize that I actually had a political view. But uh, after all those accidents and everything, I I understand that uh, there are certain things, certain social changes I want to see. And I want to be a
1: positive addition to that. So you become a more sort of political sort of person. And mm-hmm. you realize you long for social changes. Right. And you want to help people. Yes. To improve their lives. Yes. And as an economist, that you know you have this power? Yes. I want to know that how come it took seven years for you to get a doctorate degree in University of Washington?
0: It's normal? It's a bit longer than it normally takes. Usually it's five, six years. So why it's a little bit longer than usual? It's a depression story again, because I could do other courses. Then it came the time when you have to come up with a dissertation topic that's a real challenge. I had much better intuition than before, but my research ability was basically zero. I wasn't trained as undergrad to do economic research. I had to learn that, and that took a long time. And many professors weren't exactly the most helpful people. So They're not so helpful? You mean? I have to say, actually, most of them were not
1: as helpful as I hoped. That means you were not as lucky, right, to meet mm-hmm. someone who... Could become your mentor.
0: Yeah. I eventually met one, Judy Thornton. She's mm-hmm. the chair of my committee. She's very helpful. And uh, also Susan Whiting. She's from political science department. They have helped me a lot. But in terms of actually writing the dissertation, almost no help. I had to
1: come up with the idea, come up with everything. And that's very,
0: very difficult. Very tough.
1: Right. Very tough. Yeah. Um, and then did you have a deadline to finish that dissertation?
0: No, no deadline. As long as it's below 10 years, you can take your time. Oh, ah, yeah.
1: You still have three years to go. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but during that time, you said you actually uh, worked as an instructor. Right. For five years. For six. Anything you learned from teaching? Teaching was the
0: best thing that could ever happen to me. Because if I didn't teach, I wouldn't have understood macroeconomics so well. I wouldn't have developed public speaking skills.
1: That is so crucial to my work now. So that means while you were teaching, you were practicing yes. your public speech ability, right?
0: Right. I was so bad in the beginning, but uh, my students were just put up with me. <laughs> but American students can be very hard to please. They could. It's not the question that I was afraid. It was the nagging. They would think the questions you give are too difficult Uh and uh, somehow make them feel small. And that's the kind of thing I
1: found absurd. And how did you solve it? I just... uh, Make your questions easier.
0: No, I never did that. I just follow my heart, I guess. Yes, I think they should learn. And some people appreciate it. Other students don't. But uh, I think I can't please anyone.
1: Dan's six-year experience as an instructor at the University of Washington has turned her into a calm and eloquent public speaker. Now, she often presents at conferences and has been invited to share her perspective on China with senior corporate executives, academics, and diplomatic officials. She has also published several special reports focusing on China's economic development. In the next episode, Dan will share her views on what it's like to be a female economist in a field that's so traditionally dominated by men. I'm Manling, and that's the end of our show. Thank you for listening. Please rate us, because the more stars we get, the easier it is for other people to find the show. Bye for now.